and you're listening to Once, episode 322, The Eighth Witch. Welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron, And Daniel is not with us again tonight, but he would appreciate your continued prayers. So I feel like that was a double density episode. At 8.30, I was like, this has got to be almost done, this episode, because they packed so much into it. And then it was only 8.30 and there was still a whole half hour left. Right. What what did you think overall? I, well, okay. I watched it three times, which Same. I think means I liked it because I normally, I only watch it once if I'm only doing initial reactions and then I've started watching it twice again. But three times is like unheard of. Three times is like season one and two behavior. Right. Now I don't, To be fair, I don't know. I'll call it two and a half. I don't know if I'd have watched it three times, except that I couldn't really fully pay attention the first watch. (laughs) But I I was watching it at the same time. So, but yeah, wow. Just so much. So much. I watched it live, actually, in our chat room with, I think, three other people. (laughs) Um, And I reminisced. Fridays are hard. Right. And uh, I reminisced back to when there used to be like 80 to 150 people, I feel like at least 80 in chat with us. By the end of season one, when we did initial reactions, we had easily have over 100 people instantly just live. Yeah. Just to come talk about it. And I feel like this season could generate that kind of traffic if we hadn't been so down quite so many strange rabbit trails over the years and if it weren't friday night yes so i did enjoy watching it i was like what are these commercial things that i can't fast forward through (laughs) um (laughs) and i did enjoy like watching it in chat because like if there was an episode this season that you needed to like talk about immediately Mm -hmm. after (laughs) right i think i put in chat i need to do additional reactions right now right (laughs) (laughs) which we never do anymore no (laughs) and really now we just we have this new format which if you haven't joined us in a while we now we just do one episode a week and we kind of instead of going through linearly or scene by scene we just go topically so whatever stands out to us we kind of bounce all over the place and just follow threads through the plot and this However, episode seemed to have a lot. <laughs> I was going to say there there were a, there was a ton going on, but I almost feel like the big theme was the dark curse. Yes. It was very focused on that. And there was a lot and they flashed forward a lot. They there's still a lot of missed time that they're going to have to yep. well, they don't necessarily have to give us, but yeah, they flashed forward, you know, at least 9 months, but I'm guessing more than that, because Henry and Cinderella had not even begun a relationship, much of a relationship, the last time we met them, and now they have a baby. <laughs> right. And this is going to be interesting as we go through this discussion, because whatever else it was, this was a really, in many ways, epic episode. 
and it was very well done for what it was, I think. However, there are some very big potential plot holes and timeline issues, which they even reference the timeline, so you know it's bad. (laughs) I think they did that just for us. I know. By the end of this, are we going to like the episode more or less? Honestly, I'm not certain how I feel about where the show is now going. Yeah, I... When we get to that part, I have some really interesting, well, I think they're interesting ponderings about the direction (laughs) that the show is going. Remember, just everybody listening, we are 100% spoiler free, which means we don't even know the episode titles in the future. Um, I didn't know this title until like 10 minutes ago when I tried to uh, look for a scene from this episode to reference. So... Yeah, we have no context (laughs) for where the show might be going. Yes. There was a commercial at the end that I did not watch because we are spoiler free. So some of you listening may actually have some clues as to what's coming in, what is it, 11 weeks? Yes. March March 2nd. 2nd. Uh, And we may have less of a clue, just like you would if you were watching without Commercials, because commercials are from the marketing department, and they don't necessarily care about story integrity. (laughs) And we don't even get commercials, because I'm just Canadian. (laughs) Watching on CTV2. Like, the show's not even on the main CTV channel anymore. It's on CTV2. It's on the second network. So, yeah, if I ever get a commercial, that'll be great. And I might actually watch it, because (laughs) it'll be like a luxury. (laughs) And yes, Opera 13 in the chat is asking, was this the midwinter finale? Yes, this was the midwinter finale, episode 10 for the season. And really... Was it episode 10? It was. Oh. Yeah, I didn't think so at first going in. That's why I couldn't find the episode I was looking for earlier. But yeah, it's unlike what they've done in some ways that haven't been our favorite in the past... This episode kind of wrapped up a story arc, but also didn't wrap it up at all, which I like. It wrapped up the big question that I think everybody's been asking since the beginning, which was who cast the curse and what were the circumstances of its casting? And now there might still be some discussion around exactly who cast the curse, (laughs) but um, so it wrapped that part up, but without resolving the curse at all and without... You know, we, we don't get the strong sense that we're moving on from one villain and on to another. And yet, at the same time, we do. So it's kind of strange. It, it is doing that and it isn't doing that. Yeah. But I like the complexity of the story. We kind of got the, um, you know, Lady Tremaine, while we might not like her, n- not necessarily a huge villain this season. Like, she was le- like was cursed to believe that she was a villain and we've obviously seen her do some questionable things but in the beginning of the scenes from the past she actually helped the heroes capture Drizella with blood magic your favorite right 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 so <laughs> that was weird and surprising <laughs> that we saw her helping them you mean yes yes why was she helping them And how long did that last? And maybe it was just she was there. 
Maybe they just spared us the details of the team up. Maybe. Or a cut scene. But the enemy of the enemy... What is it? The enemy of my enemy is my friend? Yes. So it makes sense. Like, she didn't want the curse to happen either. Right. And and she basically said that. So maybe they didn't think it needed more explanation than that. That opening scene reminded me a lot of the pilot of once when Evil Queen runs in on the wedding and also mm-hmm. the Maleficent kind of the stereotype or the not stereotype, but the typical uh, notion we have of Maleficent bursting in on the baby's christening in Sleeping Beauty. Mm. You know, her coming in with this like prophecy and this threat on this happy, like what should be a happy occasion. This happy, happy day. (laughs) (laughs) There were a lot of callbacks in this episode, and some of them they underlined, like specifically reading out of the book (laughs) and saying, oh, I am in the hospital with you, just like Emma was in the hospital with me. And, well, (laughs) in his story. But some of them, yeah, were more a little more like this, where it just sort of... There was some similar phrasing or some similar staging. Yeah. I mean, I just felt they threw so much so fast in the beginning. I almost wanted them to slow down. It was a lot. And that's what I said. Like, that's what I meant when I said at 830, I was like, oh, the episode must almost be over. Like so much has happened. So it was a little information overload. And it just like there was a big chunk of time missing, like even Once we jumped ahead the eight years, like, I mean, I know we jumped ahead eight years. We know that it was eight years, but they were in the woods still living kind of intense when Lucy was born. And then suddenly they're back in a kingdom and Tiana is queen. Well, here's where one of my quibbles comes in. (laughs) As somebody in the chat room called it, the eight years was oddly specific. Mm Mm-hmm. It, and I don't know, I didn't understand if Drizella was being sarcastic or if she meant a literal prophecy. I don't know where she got the prophecy, if it was an actual prophecy. Why Lucy's eighth birthday? And what does Lucy have to do with it? Well, I don't know what Lucy has to do with it other than she's the believer that they had to like make her lose her belief so that... Um, Anastasia could wake up so that she could be the eighth person in the circle of eight witches. Um, And it's like, it was kind of frustrating to me because the actress who plays Lucy is like 13 and eight and 13 are very different. Like I know that you can get away. I believe she's 13 or she's turning 13 this year. I looked it up when this all happened because she's not eight. Like eight is... Eight is a very different level of whatever, just like childhood development than what she is. And so, like, I get that they use older actors sometimes to play kids because of labor laws and just to get it done. But that's a pretty significant jump. Like, Henry was always pretty much Henry's age. And... Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) But then the eight, like, eight is a very significant number, which... I was going to talk about when we talk about the circle of eight or whatever. Oh, whatever the eight witches yeah, are. I guess but that is a little bit of there is pattern of eight. <laughs> but other oh. than that, like it seems weird that it had to be on Lucy's eighth birthday. 
Yeah. Well, and here's here's why it's a quibble for me. It's almost as if they suddenly realized that they had been doing flashbacks to a time that seemed to be both before Lucy was born and also shortly before Drizella cast the curse. And it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And so they suddenly went, uh-oh, how can we explain Drizella taking Lucy's entire little life to cast this curse? Is she that bad at this? <laughs> and so they went, we are going to have to just freeze her for eight years. And so they did it. But if it was a cover-up of a plot hole, it was pretty fantastic because statue Drizella is my favorite Drizella and pretty darn creepy. <laughs> Don't blink. I loved that whole scene. Like, I loved the synchronized sword drawing that happened as soon as it got dark. Um, yeah. I was a little disappointed that none of the women had swords, like we talked about last week. This show's really good at making tough women. And, I mean, Tiana got one toward the end, so that's okay. But, um, <laughs> the, I mean, I guess there's nowhere to put the sword on their ball gowns. It was a happy right. occasion. It but. does. It, it's funny. The show's a little over the top with some of that. It's like, it is okay if you're a woman and can't wield a sword, right? Like, is that part still, is that still okay? Can there be different types of women? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as there can also be different types of men. Are there right. many men on this show that can't wield a sword? There aren't many men on the show at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Belle is a perfect example of being a tough woman without... Hey, that's true. Wielding a sword. She that is, true. is definitely still physically tough. Like, I believe she knocked Captain Hook out once on the boat. Right. Uh, and she also has, has different types of smarts. So, yeah, like, I mean, there can be. But in that scene, it wasn't super cool, in my opinion, to see the women kind of cowering in the background. That is what it kind of looked like. Oh, well, right. They were in birthday party mode. True. I can uh, live with that as a justification. <laughs> besides like Regina has magic and stuff. So she was ready. Yes. Right. You know. That's true. She's always ready. Uh, speaking of ready, did they just keep Drizella statue on display in Tiana's courtyard all the time? Or did, um. was the idea that she appeared first with all the creepiness? I think I've only seen the episode three times. I mean, I should know the answer to this. Well, I feel like it appeared. I think I feel like it poofed there. Yeah. So I I went back and forth on that spot on the scene and tried to do a little bit of frame by frame, but they only showed that corner on the big pan and I couldn't, as high res as it was, I could not see. And so they didn't really show from that perspective until the statue was there. And so my first reaction when I watched it was, why do you keep her right there? That is creepy. And on Lucy's eighth birthday, you have the party in, in Drizella's presence. That's super <laughs> weird. But upon rewatching, I think that she was just the first to appear. I'm going to go with that anyway, because otherwise they're just weird. <laughs> it's, it was almost as if they had forgotten about it. And one thing that I did like is that they didn't live in dread of this prophecy, or it doesn't seem like they did. Like in yeah. Sleeping Beauty, when the prophecy or promise or whatever came out, they it literally ruined their life. Like they didn't get to have a life. They sent their baby off to be raised by fairies. Right. Like by all accounts, they've still seemingly given Lucy a completely normal childhood. 
That is, that's true. So that might be another interesting perspective if they did keep her right there just to, I don't know, keep an eye on her, not be afraid of her. I still think it's strange to have the birthday party right by her and not even think about it. <laughs> Agreed. <'cause... laughs> Since she said on her eighth birthday. <laughs> well, and they weren't even in the same place as they were before, unless they built right. a castle around their tents that were there. That'd be very strange, too. Um, so yeah, I just, no. Yeah. <laughs> but that scene was so well done. It was, it was really, good. I was, I think this is the single creepiest episode of once upon a time ever. It was pretty creepy. And considering we had an entire season that dealt with dark ones, that right. says a lot, which there are some similarities, which I may talk about later. One thing, this seems like a good time to bring it up is we got some feedback about the original Rapunzel story that there were tons of similarities that I'm not very familiar with that specific fairy tale. And one of the similarities is that the dad of Rapunzel trades his firstborn child oh, wow. <laughs> to Mother Gothel because he um, is caught stealing lettuce for his pregnant wife from her garden. And it was like Rapunzel was the kind of lettuce. And so that's very similar. But that made me think of we've been kind of theorizing or questioning whether Gothel is the dark one of this realm. And that mm. similarity was so hardcore. Like, <laughs> oh, firstborn child in a trade right. uh, because, you know, he needed something from her. And so that was an interesting kind of Easter egg that we missed just, yeah, because I didn't look up Rapunzel and I had seen Tangled, but it's very different from Tangled. So Right. And you know what's funny? I was thinking after we received that feedback, I was thinking if we realized that they were going to start going deep on their references to the fairy tales again, maybe the moment we saw a tower, I would have been like, let's read Rapunzel. But... <laughs> They've done Rapunzel before and and in very much the way they had fallen into, which is bring a character in for one episode, rush through it, butcher the story, and move on. And they didn't do that at all. They haven't done that at all this season. And so it's making me want to pull out the stories that they're referencing and actually get into them again, again, <laughs> like we did season one. Well, and the last season I remember them doing that is the Frozen season where they really made that into being the Snow Queen. Like we all thought yeah. it was going to be Frozen and then they actually introduced the Snow Queen and it was much more true to that Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale with the broken mirror and the shattered sight and all of that stuff. Right. So it has been a while since they've, you're right, like legitimately done a fairy tale the way that it was. It's got me thinking maybe... We should go read The Frog Prince or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I podcast right beside of two giant fairy tale books. One is on Christian Anderson and one is the Krim Brothers. So Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Again, still in these first scenes, there were so many references, I felt like. Some of them might have been a stretch, but I don't think they were unintentional. I know that because I've seen a little bit of mention, I'm not the only one who thought of Doctor Who, even people who don't watch Doctor Who sometimes know the Weeping Angels and the phrase don't blink. <laughs> and Drizella definitely looked like a Weeping Angel in attack mode. 
When she was frozen? When she was frozen. Yeah, that would be kind of mean the rest of the time. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing, when she was in the process of being statuified, I swear it sounded, the sounds were very similar to the sounds that were made in Star Wars (laughs) when... Han Solo was put into carbonite, or at least when he was unfrozen from the carbonite, and he was actually in a very similar position as Drizella, although less attacky. I think that's also the position that a lot of the characters in Narnia that were turned to stone were. Thank you. That is the other thing that it was reminding me of, I think, that I couldn't put my finger on. And Gothel definitely reminds me of the White Queen or the Snow Queen or I love Narnia, but I can't remember who the bad guy was. The White Witch. There we go. Guys, there's a lot of fairy tales. (laughs) (laughs) I literally like the last live production I saw was The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, but that was a few months ago. The White Witch. So she definitely reminds me of the White Witch. So... And I think that's just, you would put your hands up in defense if you're going to be turned to stone also. Yes. Although it looked to me like she was, well, my my initial reaction was that she was doing an aggressive pose for the next eight years. But (laughs) I think it almost felt like she was trying one last time to do whatever magic she was attempting to do. Oh, probably. That makes sense too. The magicking. But the, the missteps that I felt in that were... And maybe it's just because of the pace, but she starts going, this is blood magic. And I was like, I don't even know what's happening yet. And you know, it's blood magic. Do you just feel that? I don't understand. Maybe, maybe that's the only kind of magic that could have stopped her. Maybe, but they do that sometimes. They go, this is blood magic. I'm like, how do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Regina's always seemed to know when it's blood magic. That's true, but she always has a little more of a, I used my hand as a tricorder kind of thing, (laughs) and now I know everything about this. (laughs) So, I don't know. It was creepy. It was almost like she just stepped in wet cement. And then it spread. Yeah. And I I was like, why do you mean look down? Like, how did you know she was going to stand in that spot? And did Tremaine just, like, cut her hand and drip blood on that spot? Yeah, this might be one of those things that's better just, (laughs) (laughs) it happens. Maybe they had like a secret spy that was telling them that Drizella was coming. Right. Uh, Who knows? Maybe that was one of the only ways into their camp somehow, which is (laughs) unlikely since they're in the middle of the forest, but. Right. Maybe they had done protectome totalum or whatever Hermione's spell was. (laughs) That was the only way in or out. Maybe. But but they got her. And then Regina went to get some help after she woke up. She did. And then after she woke up. After Drizella woke up. Or after Drizella was freed. Right. Right. Yeah. And... And this scene, honestly, I'm, as much as I enjoyed and yet had problems with some of the beginning, going to get Zelina, I was just, it was just a confusing, weird ride. So I'm really glad they did the Kelly reveal first. 
mm-hmm. when Regina or when Ronnie went to San Francisco to get Kelly. Yes. Because otherwise it would have just ruined it. Right. But even in the past, I was like, Emerald Acres Farm. Okay. there's It's got to be that she's getting Zelina. But then I'm like, how is Zelina there? Yeah. There's a lot of missing information. Where did we last see Zelina? But it's been 25 years. <laughs> or has it? Not, we're not here to discuss timelines, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we live for. <laughs> sort of. Well, but then not she really. made that thing. There was that reference. She sure has grown up fast. Not in our realm. Like, what was that? Yeah. And what realm are they in? And what's with all the realm junk jumping? If nothing else, please just give even a stupid reason for the fact that they can just go casually between realms. That used to be a big deal. Well, but apparently they still can't easily go to a land without magic, even though they can, but they can't because right. otherwise they wouldn't have had to cast a dark curse to save Henry. They would have just had to jump into a portal. Right. But maybe the portal only leads to Storybrook, which still has magic, which is just as a sidebar people, I just mm-hmm. have to say, I totally called this one. <laughs> That it was like Henry was poisoned and they had to go to a land without magic and that's why they can't break the curse and why they can't go to Storybrooke because Storybrooke has magic. Almost, I don't want to say a letdown, but it's like they went from the weird new kind of heart poison thing to actually he's just legit poisoned. Somehow. Somehow. It's got to be magical poison. He doesn't have a green glowing heart. There are no blasts of magic. He doesn't have black squid ink-like stuff moving <laughs> through his veins. Nightshade, I suppose, right? Is that what that was? Yeah, nightshade. Sure. Um, he doesn't have any of that. He just looks super sick. Which, uh, when that was revealed, that actually was very effective. The cinematography was a little <laughs> bit stepped up through parts of this episode, I think. It was good. He did look sick. I still have some quibbles about their logic because like it has to be a magical poison because otherwise the land without magic thing is irrelevant. And breaking the curse did not bring magic back to Storybrooke. Like magic, when the original curse was cast, Rumple dumped the true love potion that he saved for a rainy day down the well that is the purple cloud that brought the magic back. Am I mistaken? Like Emma broke the curse. She did not bring magic back to Storybrooke. By the way, it was dream shade, not nightshade. <laughs> um, no, you're right. I, yes. And it all seemed very planned at that time. This does seem to be a different curse, though. I will at least give them that. It had better be. And frankly, I'd like to see more of the backstory of the curse, this curse, because it apparently has very different ingredients. And I think (laughs) magic from a witch who has crushed the heart of the thing she loves most, besides being a mouthful, is, again, oddly specific. Well, this, this, (laughs) I was going to say this series, this season (laughs) of Once Upon a Time, the spinoff, Seems to have those like oddly specific like one-offs because we know that they can't have, you know, Lucy, they're not going to take her heart. So they don't actually need her heart. They just need her to lose her belief. 
Like it's just they're kind of writing it a little bit more ambiguously so that it works for the story, I find. Right. Like it would have been better if it was like, we need the heart of the person who cast the last curse. (laughs) Right. Like that would be more true to the story. Uh, Yeah, that actually would be. At least it would be. She just had to magic her hand and drip some blood. Yeah, that would feel more like. Yeah. Or even they could have said they do this sometimes. I'm my mind is exploding with layering thoughts. Um, <laughs> but they could have said, even with the way they shot it, they could have said blood from not magic. Don't just say the word magic when you aren't sure where you want to go with it. Yeah, I actually thought they had said blood at first. And then I had to correct like what I had written because it actually was was magic, not blood. Right. It, it's just, it's very strange. And it, I think part of the reason that I've enjoyed this season more is that, um, and some feedback that Francisco, one of our listeners sent us, he mentioned a lot of things. We may reference some of the other things he mentioned, but he, he pointed out that it seems like magic has almost been downplayed this season. And I would agree with that. And I think that is actually kind of smart on their part. <laughs> the less you bring magic into the story, the less opportunity you have to mess it up, I guess, or conflict with something that's been said in the past or magic yourself into a corner or something like that. And in this case, they went heavy on the magic for this episode and I naturally have more problems with it. Yeah, there were a lot of things brought up in feedback, um, some in Francisco's and some in Keeper of Squid Ink's feedback about the last time we saw Zelina, she didn't have magic anymore. Right. We don't know where she got it back. She was just living in Storybrooke as far as we know, right? Am I forgetting something? No, she was because they referenced her in Beauty. Um, she was bringing something to the party, to Neil's birthday party. Right. Baby Neil's birthday party. Baby Neil's birthday party. So, but as they pointed out, it's been like 20, well, I guess 23 to 25 years since then, depending on how much older Robin was than Neil. I think it was they were born around the same time, I think. Except then another thing in that moment is that Regina could have been just looking at Robin and saying, you look like you must be 23. As in she hasn't seen her since she was a baby? And as in she should maybe, from Regina's perspective, only be about 13 or 14. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they made reference to growing up fast but not in this realm. So I'm just thinking that they're acknowledging that she's older than she should be. Oh, yeah. I didn't really understand that at all. And I didn't know how... Regina meant what she said, whether she meant, by my estimation, you would be 23, or if she meant, I don't know how long it's been, but you look like you're 23. Yeah. Well, and I felt like that was kind of them telling us some of the things we've been wondering about, like how long Henry's been in the Enchanted Forest, because this is so like, that means that 17 years have passed. But see, that that's where it gets super messy, too. Right. Henry's not in his 40s. Right. So they definitely are playing with something. Well, but he could be 34, right? I think we determined that. Yep. Because but if, if he, he left was, when he was 18. 
And it's been 17. Oh, but then the other eight years. Yeah, you're right. Well, then Robin would have been like three, I want to say. Oh, yeah. Or how old was Henry? <laughs> Timelines. Uh, Henry was supposed to be what? Like 15, 15 16. Yeah. 16 at the most at the end of season one. And then, so Robin could have been three. And then if it's been seven, so ugh, I don't think that even gets her to 23. I could be just, you're never supposed to do math in a podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have 11 weeks to figure out maybe what must have happened. And we do have our timeline at oncepodcast.com. <laughs> maybe it can be figured out there. Maybe Keb can do some magic and <laughs> unless we've given up on the timeline. <laughs> If the writers give up on the timeline, I don't know how we can maintain it. That's my problem. That's true. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some clarification. But need like needless to say, there's been enough time passed that Zelina could have found a way to get her magic back. Yes. And I, I, I'm not... I don't know. We always suspected she might get her magic back. Yes. It the was a noble sacrifice, but... And the only other... We got some feedback that Regina is no longer a witch because she's not evil anymore. And my only response to that is she still has magic. And yeah, I don't think you have witch to loosely. Be, yeah, I don't think you have to be a bad witch to be a witch. I think like Glinda was a good witch and it just meant mm -hmm. that she's a woman with power, I guess. Right. So we'll we'll see where they go with that. <laughs> mm. But they're definitely bringing witches in with the idea of the Coven of the Eight, the air quote, worst of the worst. Right. The, uh, once upon a time, superlatives. <laughs> so I found it. That was another piece. As long as I'm picking on the Zelina in the past scene. Why did they feel it necessary to clarify that those were witches and not creatures? They were standing upright and wearing hoods. Like, I didn't ever think they were creatures. I don't know why Did that you? was important. They, <laughs> But they totally clarified that. They also focused a lot on a little black pig. I don't know why that made Regina smile. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if there's more backstory that we're actually going to get. It's, it was a very strange scene. Very strange time for me. Um, but I'll get through it with your help. <laughs> listeners <laughs> do you know what, do you know it was a strange and kind of frustrating scene for me what's that is the next scene in the past where henry brought lucy oh. to the tree that he was about to cut down in air quote the oldest part of this realm the old enchanted forest which as a sidebar is hilarious because we've been calling the other thing the new enchanted forest yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but it's so, a different realm so, i would like the writers to just stay out of the enchanted forest. But then how could they find the same tree and the same axe that's going to do the same thing as their backup plan? So they, they had Henry say, I'll expand the quote you just said, but then he said something else right after it. He said, this is the oldest part of this realm, the original enchanted forest. This tree has the same magic that took my mom to Storybrooke. He made two statements, and I counted four things that were wrong with it. <laughs> so the oldest part of this realm, which realm? I mean, yeah. it's either the, quote, another realm they've been in, in which case it's not another realm, or they just casually realm jumped again 
and they went to the Enchanted Forest. Uh, original Enchanted Forest? It, and again, like, is that admitting that another realm is really new Enchanted Forest? Also, and this is the bigger one, the entire premise of the series rests partially on the fact that that was the last enchanted tree in the enchanted forest, and it was used to make the wardrobe, and that's why they could only get one person through. Two two people. Two people, but it seemed that the extent of the lie was that it had power to take two, not that, oh yeah, there's also another tree. Right. Because that's just lazy. But yes, that was a major premise of season one. And we and the whole series. Yeah. We found out more in the episode, The Stranger, which has one of my favorite scenes from the series in it, when August comes clean about the fact that he was supposed to take care of Emma when they got to this world. And he didn't. Because he was the second person, Pinocchio. Geppetto mm-hmm. made that deal when he decided to build the wardrobe. Right. And and that's that kind of takes me to the fourth thing that was wrong with that statement. While I'm nitpicking, <laughs> it didn't take Emma to Storybrook, now did it? No, it, it took, took her to Emma to the land without magic moments before Storybrook even existed, and she didn't get there for twenty eight years. Right. And Henry would probably not make that mistake. Did he? He actually said took my mom to Storybrook. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty... I mean, it was very close to where Storybrooke was. <laughs> but no, yeah, you're you're right. <laughs> and then, like, I don't even know how much to get into the notion of Henry trying to chop down that tree with Geppetto's axe, let alone trying to just do the things that Geppetto could do with it. it makes no sense at all to me. And Geppetto's axe was in my opinion in Storybrooke it was brought over with the curse so he didn't find Geppetto's axe in my opinion right I don't know that that's ever been shown to us but why would his axe be important I don't think that was was that an original part of that equation his tools were in general I don't remember the axe for sure that could have been something August referenced okay but I mean it was it was cool to see Tiger Lily again and have her involved and yet, in the wrong realm. that proves, well, that proves that they did go back to the Enchanted Forest we know, that's supposed to not have any more of those trees. And then she took Lucy straight back to Tiana's castle, which means they realm jumped again. Unless. Unless they didn't. And it's like driving me crazy. <laughs> Maybe they relocated to the old Enchanted Forest in the eight years that Lucy was growing up. That Maybe. could explain the major change in status. Oh, actually, like, I kind of like that theory because that would be like, yeah, they never said, I don't think, what realm they were in. Just Tiana had a castle. That's really all we know. Yeah. And then... And, and Tiger Lily was there. Right. And that actually makes a lot more sense. And then they just go off to the tree and he's like, this is the oldest part of this realm. Which still is a weird statement, but like, I don't know if the realm's growing or something, but. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and there's still, like you said, there's still no trees because even season 2A, when Emma and Mary Margaret were stuck in the Enchanted Forest, they had to find the like, the like scraps of the wardrobe in the old castle that had been destroyed and then take them to Lake Nostos. To... That's when we got Cora's amazing scream of no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, 
also one of my favorite episodes. So here's a possible reason for this weird move back to the Enchanted Forest. There was some stuff about this episode that felt like they were forcing it to dovetail in time for this for the winter finale with the scenes that we got in the season finale last year. If you remember, that two-hour finale began, which was really the finale of the story we'd been watching for six years. It began with this scene of Henry running through the forest and then finding Lucy and saying, do you have it? And she has the book and then they found us and all that stuff that happened. But the caption that began the episode, Enchanted Forest, a time of great upheaval. So all this time, as they've been trying to make these stories mesh, like the little preview they gave us, they knew that because of what they captioned it, they had to set that scene in the Enchanted Forest, not another realm. Right. So whatever reason they've come up with, they had to move the characters back to the Enchanted Forest just to line up with what they gave us last year. But would it have killed them to give us <laughs> like a one-line like, what did Lucy said? Thank you, Aunt Tiana. Or should I say queen? I'm so glad we moved here. Like something. <laughs> right. I'm so glad we moved here and you get to be a queen now. Right. Yes. Now, I, I suppose in their defense for possible posthumous dovetailing, they did a good job because the whole time that we were theorizing about who it is that found them, that what always kind of stood out to me was the way the door blew in on what we now know as Tiger Lily's home. Right. And, and the shadow that came in flying through the door and kind of overtook Henry and the noises that were made. Now I did not rewatch that scene in the finale from last year. So I'm not sure if they altered any of the audio, but I, it seemed pretty true to me. It actually makes a lot of sense that it was the witches that found him. Right. So it almost it does seem, I could see them having planned that part from the beginning, just maybe not so much the where and the when. <laughs> well, and they, uh, firstly, when Henry, the scene of him running through the woods, I don't remember if that was from last season from that episode or if it, it was, was, that was the uh, very first scene of the finale. Okay. Because that was a really good, creepy scene with the audio like yeah. you could just tell like you could tell that it wasn't a person to me right like it was spirits or like whatever right like magic which is, yeah. is not my, surprising <laughs> my money had been on originally had been on ogres or dragons i actually thought there was a big chance it would be dragons <laughs> for some reason dragons would have worked i actually had a much more epic story in mind that involved Henry just living in the Enchanted Forest for years and years, which kind of is what happened. We just haven't seen that strange missing eight years of Lucy's childhood. Yeah, that's true. And actually, now that I've brought that scene up, I do have to question the time of great upheaval. It really wasn't. They were having a nice birthday party and then witches. It wasn't a time of great upheaval. That's true. For so <laughs> most people living in the Enchanted Forest. I guess. That's true. And it seemed to be pretty chill. Like, right. we didn't see anything else. I do question why Tiger Lily would leave Lucy alone, but 
that's, right. I guess, neither here nor there. Like Henry, I guess, wasn't far. Well, it's because when they wrote the scene, it was where Henry and Lucy were living. It wasn't Tiger Lily's home, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> at least that's my, that's a possibility. Right. Yeah. Where was Tiger Lily? He did say, take her back to your place to sleep, but then. She was back at the castle with the others when Lucy got there. So I guess she was helping, but why wasn't she just with Lucy? I don't know. It, that seemed weird, but again, yeah, they had written it six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, as we've been talking about this, I've remembered that when the second hour of the premiere, I mean, the finale last year began and Lucy was looking for Henry in the ruins, Tiger Lily is who found her. So Tiger Lily's not entirely... I don't know why she left her alone, but she's not entirely out of left field. That's true. But then I still don't think that works with continuity because Tiger Lily was back at the castle already when Lucy got there. I assumed, at least in my head canon, that <laughs> Tiger Lily had escorted little Lucy, in my mind, across realms, but all the way at least back to the castle. And then Lucy ran in, ran in and Tiger Lily just kind of stayed in the background so that she could talk. <laughs> but she was literally sitting at the table. Was she? Yeah. <laughs> That's so super weird. Here, Lucy, you sleep in my house real close to where all the bad stuff's happening. I'm going to go to Tiana's castle and talk to the adults, okay? <laughs> exactly. I would take you with me, but your father was very specific about where you should be. Maybe it was just because Henry wasn't that far and he wasn't going to be that long. <laughs> but I mean, that was a big tree. <laughs> Okay. And she's like, we should hurry. It's going to be dark soon. And he's like, it's totally dark. And you can't even see what I've done to this tree, but I'm going to keep whacking at it. <laughs> Did you notice the sword Henry drew? Was that a significant sword? Because they zoomed like it was a really clear shot, but I'm not good enough to remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I do know that they showed it because Lucy found it in the finale last year and so she had it and they zoomed in on the hilt again okay but whether we've identified the significance at this point i can't remember <laughs> but i think that we're moving into a different phase of the story now and i think that there will still be flashbacks to some of the things maybe from lucy's childhood leading up to this maybe not I think eight is as young as this actress can play. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Nothing against no, her sense. as an actress, but there's just, there's a line. Yeah. Like Regina could not play herself as an eight year old. Okay. Even though she's like the best actress ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny mental image. I <laughs> No, for sure. I mean, they could have a, a young Lucy if they really wanted to, or like a baby Lucy if sometime in the, if they want to flash back to sometime in like the first year after Drizella was frozen or something, some uh, detail that becomes important later. Yeah. I like the sacrifice that Ella made and the recognition that she had that Henry was a distraction and that they needed to stay focused on the curse. Right. That that was very self-sacrificing. Of course she wanted to save Henry, but like she realized that there was something bigger at play, which is very reminiscent of Snow White sending Emma through the wardrobe alone, knowing 
like she needed to save her kingdom. And then when they all convened wherever they were in the ruins or not the ruins, but there was like stones, the stone circle. Oh, yeah. The creepy witch place. The creepy witch place. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. First of all, the banter was amazing between Drizella, Lady (laughs) Tremaine, and Zelina and Regina. Um, But I loved... I loved Drizella's like after so many years and I was like, I'm pretty sure Rumpelstiltskin worked on this for like 200 years and you've waited <laughs> eight, eight Most years. Most of which she was a statue. <laughs> yeah. Like it wasn't like she was conscious for all of that time. I mean, unless part of being yeah. a statue was that she was like watching all the time, but no. I, I loved, I loved that scene. This whole scene was, again, really super creepy until during this last rewatch, I had a moment of realization. I'm I'm probably going to ruin this a little bit for all of you. So they're doing their whole, I mean, really low-key witch fight, if we're being honest. And and we have proof there that Zelina does have magic, by the way, as Keeper of Squid Inc. pointed out, (laughs) because Zelina brought the curse from i think drizella was holding it and she was suddenly holding it and she handed it to regina but they're all fighting and then when they they kind of let gothel go and she reveals that one of the hooded figures is henry and that he's super sick and they all drop what they're doing and they run to henry which seems really dangerous even given the people who are in play but then you think about all the hooded witches and it's like isn't this really incredibly dangerous? And then I realized, but and why aren't any of these other witches entering into this at all? Are they that useless? <laughs> Turns and out, yes. And then I realized <laughs> they've given them the Dark Ones treatment. In theory, they're super creepy and dangerous, but all they are is extras in cloaks. <laughs> and they're not doing anything. And now I think that's going to change through the rest of the season as they, quote, find the women meant to wear them in Hyperion Heights, but back on the rock face, they kept the action going almost enough to keep me from noticing, but they really were just, they might as well have just been cloaked. They probably were on the same hooks (laughs) standing there, some of them, as they were in Hyperion Heights. Probably. And I, I thought the exact same thing, like that's the worst way to win a fight as everybody runs. But I think at that point they knew that that was her card to play and that like she wanted the curse. She didn't want to kill them all. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah. They already, she already had them where she wanted them. Oh man. And that poison thing, that's hardcore. (laughs) Yeah. And it was very vague in my opinion. So I think it's pretty clear they haven't actually written those details. Mm, The details of what the poison involves. And yes, part of, because it, it almost seems like if they broke the curse and Regina got her magic back, she could just freeze Henry and then figure out what the poison is and how to cure him. If it's simple, if they don't find a way to complicate it. Exactly. <laughs> Part of uh, what, like weeks ago when we talked about that, that it could have been the poison that stopped working when the magic wasn't there anymore. I was reminded of the TV show Angel, which was a spinoff of Buffy, where they brought back a vampire who had been killed um as a human and she ended up so she had been killed as a vampire 
But when she was a human and first made into a vampire, she was, they did that <laughs> because she was dying and vampires are immortal. Uh, like they live forever. And so then as soon as she was brought back as a human, she was then dying still from the same disease that she had had back 800 years ago or whatever, when she was a human for the first time. Uh, talk about a relapse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then she had to become a vampire again. Spoiler alert. Sorry, people. Um, she had to become <laughs> a vampire again. Otherwise, she was going to die a human death. And so that was what that plus the Neverland poison that we already knew about from once is what made me think of that that theory that, you know, Henry must be poisoned and it's something that only works when there's magic. But can he just leave? Like, does breaking the curse bring the entire world magic? Because they're not even in a contained space in this curse like they're just in our world oh if there is anything these writers can do it is limit the scope of a thing (laughs) because after making it sound monumental but even during the season with and now i can't even remember the season but when henry was getting everybody to wish in the wishing well like wasn't that his way of saying there is magic in this world yeah you just have to believe back and forth on that they should have never done that (laughs) okay well, if again, the whole premise is that it's a land without magic and they've based numerous plot lines on that, then you can't turn around and say, oh, yeah, but it's here. That's stupid. <laughs> but, I, but notice that Hyperion Heights now has a well. It does have a well, but it has a bottom. So Yes, we very quickly got acquainted with that, or rather, Drizella did. <laughs> <laughs> That was creepy, too. Like, the cinematography, the pacing, there was a lot to love about this episode. There was... I thought maybe she was dead. So did I. I don't know how she survived that fall, but I don't know. It was magic. I feel like she'd have internal damage (laughs) and stuff, but but, uh, it was fairly brutal. So the, the curse was visually different, which I hope is to suggest that it was written by somebody else and was somewhat just based on the original dark curse because it was definitely different well ingredients seemed to be different (laughs) and it was cast in the symbol of the coven of the eight which i'm pretty sure we haven't seen before this season yeah if they're so bad why has nobody heard of them before well i have a theory about that that we will get to when we are talking about the coven of the eight in the present (laughs) and actually that was also referenced in that flashback to zelina scene i think literally everything that happened in that scene was confusing in one way or another (laughs) she said that she well she clearly knew about them she said that she had been invited to join them and then said that that token had been dropped off on her porch which did she mean that was the invitation or she'd been invited in the past And then for some reason, someone just decided to leave her a calling card. I felt like it had been a recent drop off, but like it had recently been left. She said that it was dropped off recently, but I didn't understand if she meant that was the invitation or she turned them down a long time ago. And that's just their like, ha ha, it's still happening without you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's very ambiguous, (laughs) but I just like to pick on that scene. 
<laughs> I did like the warning shots, though. That was cute. The little the little interaction between Regina and Robin was was cute. Aunt Regina. <laughs> did she fire between her fingers? I think so. <laughs> that was creepy. <laughs> Those were warning shots, weren't they? Otherwise, you should have aimed better. Is aim with a bow and arrow genetic? Because she never knew her father. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the questions that I ask. <laughs> maybe. Maybe talent is genetic. I don't really know how bow and arrow firing works. So... <laughs> Something else in the past that I wanted to discuss is why Rumpelstiltskin is Rumpelstiltskin again. He got gold skin. Yeah. Oh, but if they're in, oh, we just like solved this problem for ourselves in our podcast. <laughs> Did we? Well, if they're I feel back, like I'm still trailing. If they're back at Enchanted Forest, he would turn back to Rumpelstiltskin, but they were in the other new realm instead before when he came back as... Mr. Gold with short hair. Oh. Does that work? No. Then maybe just yes, time. No. Like he spent so much time in the realm that he started to turn back to the dark one. Well, this is one of those spots where I thought that there was some suggestion of more story from before this point, before the casting of the curse that is still to be revealed. Because the dialogue between Hook and Alice indicated that she had attached herself to Rumpel for some reason, quote, knowing what he gave up for her. She felt obliged to stay with him. It almost sounded like Hook was saying, we could leave and not be affected by the curse at all. And she wanted to stay with Rumpel because he'd given something up for her. Yeah, I didn't understand. This is the part where I was like, I am so confused. Are you confused? Is everybody confused? And then it got a little bit more clear, but not that part. I feel like I didn't even hear that. Um, but it's clear that like Hook and Alice have continued to have, you know, conversations from a distance right. around trees. And we do know like Alice is the first person that Rumpelstiltskin ran into when he came back in time from the episode Beauty. He ran into Alice. And then right. when Alice was trying to get Henry to leave the new realm, in during the ball, she referenced that she knew Rumpelstiltskin. So we know that they have some type of a relationship. Like it's pretty clear that they, they're friends or they're working together or whatever. They have some type of a mentorship. But yeah, I didn't, right. I don't understand what he gave up for her. I want to say that whatever it is directly resulted in him being a little more dark one ish and a little less human again. Maybe he somehow cured, like, they don't seem cured because they weren't super close to each other, but he wasn't dying anymore from being that close right. to her. Well, that was her other um, her other reason for wanting to stay. She thought that maybe in the curse, she and Hook could actually... Well, she said better memories, and he said fewer walls and trees between us. Okay. But... You know, but however, she just thought they might have a better life in the curse on top of everything else. Yeah. I wonder what, hmm. So I, I noted that even Rumpel was very protective of Alice 
as the curse was rolling in, like he was right there with, with her and Robin. And he was, I think he even had his arm around Alice, um, kind of in a protective way or whatever. And I don't know what it is about her. Like there has to be something because there's no reason for him to be that protective of her or for him to even care. Is she somehow related to him? Are we going to find out that? <laughs> well, like, is Gothel well, his sister? I feel like I've hypothesized that before. Oh. Like, if Gothel is Rumpel's sister, then that makes Alice his niece. Don't we have reason to know enough about Rumpel's past to know that he didn't have a sister? Yeah, but... I think we do. But maybe he found out from his dark fairy mom that she had a kid after she left him. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's just super weird. Maybe it's just that he thinks that she's the key to Belle because she's the first person he ran into when he went back to find the guardian. Maybe. I mean, he's, he's doing more than, than that for her. Yeah. Well, and I don't even think he made a trade with Hook for that white elephant. He just gave it to him. Right. For for Alice. Alice. Which then Hook did <laughs> the good thing. Which his description of the white elephant <laughs> said something that's outlived its usefulness yet persists. And he finds it personally quite moving. <laughs> Was that commentary on continually going back to OG Rumple? <laughs> I didn't really get that because I don't, I'm not super familiar with the term, but I know that white elephant Christmas parties are where you bring like a silly gift and you play the unwrapping game where you can like steal somebody else's gift or take a new one. Yeah. But his, with his definition, I think that, (laughs) well, yeah. And that's actually white elephant. I think it used to be just something that was around the house that you didn't want anymore. You weren't supposed to go out and buy a white elephant gift. That's like. (laughs) <laughs> a very modern, overdone method of doing white elephant. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be something you don't need anymore, but it's you still have it. So you're going to give it away in one of these things. But he seemed to take it as a personal description of some sort. <laughs> he might yeah. that might just be the Rumpelstiltskin definition entirely. He wants to find the Guardian because he wants to give up his darkness and immortality and just move on. Because it's no longer useful. Right. Um, I don't know how he would know. I mean, I guess he still has the foresight that um, Rumpelstiltskin has, um, like the seeing into the future, to Mm. know to give Alice the teacup. But why would Alice not be cursed? Well, she was. Uh, Kind of. She's half cursed, it seems, and crazy. That's... True, it definitely affected her. And so that, I think, is where there's more. Well, he always Maybe he's prepared her for the curse in some way. Because he said that he locked Mr. Gold in a room in his mind and that the teacup should let him out, but if it doesn't, she knows what to do. So they've already talked about this. Yes. And apparently she thought that thing was to shoot him, but... <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> I guess it worked. <laughs> um, well, and it's the same. Like, he knew going into the original Dark Curse he knew Emma's name and that's how he woke himself up. So he knows like he doesn't know everything because prophecies are tricky creatures, but 
he knows. But I just don't understand why Alice, unless he, unless that's something that he did for her somehow, that he managed to right. somewhat spare her from the full extent of the curse. Right. Very confusing. Definitely. Do you know what's not confusing, Jeremy? Could it be our heroes? Our wonderful heroes. This podcast is supported by our wonderful heroes. For this episode, we'd like to thank Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Greg Shope, Marianne Lavati, Patty Brigadion, which Daniel also was questioning the pronunciation of, and I don't know if we have gotten a clarification. So, Patty, I apologize if you've already corrected us, and I still said it wrong. And also, our 22 heroes on Patreon. We couldn't host this podcast without your help, so thank you very much. Even as we head into the winter hiatus, the costs go on. Hosting the podcast, bandwidth for downloads, keeping the forums running, all of that stuff. If you'd like to become a hero to our podcast, please visit oncepodcast.com forward slash hero, and then you can be not confusing and help us continue to not be confused and to help everyone else be unconfused as well. Confused? (laughs) If that's even possible with this show. (laughs) Indeed. So that pretty much covers everything about the Dark Curse, but we have a lot that happened in present day as well in two different cities. I loved the Zelina reveal. I was pretty sure that it was Zelina. I know that was like my very first thought. Right. And it was correct. Somebody, I can't even remember who, who said it, but somebody said it's not Zelina who hates Regina. It's whoever cursed Zelina is who hates Ronnie, which is true because Ronnie. Yes. Yes. That was something I was thinking. Drove her daughter out of Hyperion Heights right. and sent her to Amsterdam. <laughs> which explains why, even though it's clear that Robin has to have been brought over, we haven't seen her yet. And I don't know whether we will see her. I feel like we have to see her because I just feel like we have to see her. There has to be more to that story. They've they've introduced right. her. Think, so Yeah, I think um it seems that there will be a lot more to the story with Robin and I assume I assume that means we get to see Zelina a lot more because she's coming back and and I think the the story's going to pivot a little bit. Well, I don't know. I was going to say it's going to focus a little more on Robin and Alice and and Zelina and all those people. But I mean, it's not like just because we know more about the curse doesn't mean the rest of the story is over either. So, but, th- but then we've got the whole witch thing on top of the curse <laughs> and very strange, very strange. And by the way, I want to take a side moment on the Robin-Alice thing. Obviously, that's... A controversial topic, uh, one that we've addressed before. And so, as always, I just want to encourage any dialogue that happens around that to just be done with respect and love for each other and the people you're talking to. Uh, Daniel has previously made a much more in-depth statement about the topic, and that was in episode 244. So, if you go to oncepodcast.com forward slash Two four four. you can either listen to that or you can read that just for a little more on that topic. 
But I think that is probably something that will be uh, a much bigger focus after the winter break. I agree. I think that the showrunners have received like numerous criticisms about their show and that they're changing a lot of things in this season um, mm-hmm. based on those criticisms. And one of them is diversity. Um, they've introduced a ton of new characters from a vast array of backgrounds. And I think that this is just kind of another way that they're bringing some diversity into the show. Sure. Is it weird for me to ask why they went to San Francisco at all? <laughs> why Kelly couldn't have just moved out of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Right. Like maybe she's just over in the Puget Sound area or something. <laughs> Bullshit. Yes, I'm from she the Pacific was, Northwest. <laughs> she was cursed to be a hippie. And if you're a hippie in the United States, you can probably live anywhere. But I think that there's a larger concentration in California. <laughs> right. Just, that was so funny. How many times was she going to say cucumber mint honey lavender water i want to try that now but (laughs) true (laughs) i loved that i teach pedaling (laughs) so good did you think that regina was about to inadvertently give zelina an overdose no well i wondered about that just because gothel was so it would be so so careful with that potion like when Exactly. It was first and introduced. Regina, yeah, Regina was like, I'll just dump the rest in here. It's fine. Well, and there was that whole, wasn't there an idea of like the person needed to be ready to have it? And so Regina was oh, already yeah. wondering. But she did say, we were like sisters. You're going to see, like, I guess that was enough. But I was worried. You're right. Because she did that whole thing. She said she needed to just be able to push her mind a little bit. <laughs> but they... All of the flashbacks that they showed when Zelina was getting her memory back were (gasps) of her being evil. So I was worried that she was going to wake up, but only until the point of her, like that she was only going to remember that she hated Regina and that it was going to backfire. So I'm glad that it didn't. (laughs) The montage was not quite as on point as Regina's. Right. I thought she was going to attack Regina. So did I. (laughs) I. and I, I will say, you know, Selena's saying I was cursed. It's all past tense. So they're running around worried about, do we break the curse? Do we not break the curse? And yet almost everyone's awake. Are they technically cursed at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, apparently it's limiting their magic. So there is still another effect, even though they're awake. I guess. Well, that's because they're in a land without magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's confusing. I did like the, it's not me, but it's also me. It's like I'm both, which is right. what we've been dealing with since the, we are both. I'm sure it didn't sound quite that uplifting, but. Right. Prince Charming people, that's who I quoted. And I also kind of wonder if the introduction of San Francisco was because we are going to take the story back there at some point. Well, she does have a bow there that she's going to marry. Yes. Once she finds a way to break it to him that she's actually the Wicked Witch of the West. The background when... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why am I getting my compass directions mixed up for Wicked Witches? I... It's West, right? I don't know. <laughs> they don't use that part of Once Upon a Time much. Um, She was the green one. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the background. Go ahead, send us hate mail, all you Oz fanatics. <laughs> in the background of the spinning class where Regina and Henry ran into Kelly for the first time, like when she was on her way out. The writing on the back, I didn't get all of it, but it was legends aren't born, they are created, which is, I don't know. Oh, funny. It just reminds me so much of the evil isn't born, dearie, it's made. Right. But that was the only the only Easter egg that I found there. I wonder if that was her studio. She was locking up, but that doesn't mean anything necessarily. Right. So Regina's pretty convinced that Zelina is essential to the cause. But is that just because magic? I think that they magic. don't have unless they kill somebody. And by somebody, I guess I mean Henry, because it's not getting magic back that kills Lucy. Right. Well, and is Lucy really dying? That's a great question. <laughs> I assume that she is, because simply because they're all assuming that she is. Yeah. But that's, I mean, she's unconscious in the hospital. Like, there's never been any sign that they've shown us of any sort of, like, changes to her vital signs or her heart or her state. She just seems to be in a coma being monitored. Yeah. This episode was just packed and it was all over the place and mostly in a good way. But obviously, as we've found in our discussion, (laughs) there are some things that were just, that were just confusing, but there was enough happening that it almost didn't matter for very long. Maybe Regina just knows that Zelina is important because of all of the mommy issues and they created mommy issues. They invented mommy issues. <laughs> right. Um, hashtag. This was an episode, by the way. Oh, I am not surprised to hear. That. I actually meant to check that and I never <laughs> did because I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> the dialogue was so good. Yeah. Jane um, Espenson and Jerome Schwartz. Okay. Drizella, like they all had good lines. Drizella had good lines, except I kind of disagree that Anastasia took everything from her because she literally took nothing from her. I agree. I'm that is something that just keeps feeling every time they talk like a hole in my memories. Maybe I'm cursed because (laughs) I keep trying to figure out where how we got from oh, little girls who miss their mommy and try to get her back by sending lanterns into the air to they've both got magic to varying degrees. How, where's the, where, how do we fill in that gap? And if they're so powerful, what was with the whole ice problem? Yeah, maybe we fill in that gap when we return from hiatus and get more of a backstory. Maybe. I mean, obviously, Anna cannot control her power even still, so it's not as if she could have done anything. And Drizella didn't learn until later. Or was that an act? But so, I I mean, I guess that maybe doesn't really mean that Anna shouldn't have died, but it still, there was no sign in the flashbacks of the magic. And everything Drizella complains about seems to not be real. She complains about living in her sister's shadow and her mother not loving her, but she rejected her mother. And I never saw anything that showed a shadow from her sister. So I don't know where she gets all this stuff. Well, I would say that the living in the shadow of her sister might have started after her sister died. Just the whole, you could never live up to that. You would never be as good as Anastasia. But all Anastasia did was like, 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying she didn't make a sacrifice. She obviously did. As I said, last episode, walking out onto ice that's cracking is not the smartest move, but she was being (laughs) selfless. She was trying to save her her sister, her stepsister or whatever. Well, hats off to her. (laughs) But it's not like she was the savior or anything. Uh, Except (laughs) is she? I mean. Except is she? (laughs) Well, no, she does have some superlatives attached to her. And now she also has her sister's magic, which is of unknown quantity. Drizella can be super creepy though but now she's like muted because she's at the bottom of a well with no magic (laughs) which is a good place for her to be i guess that's true that's true it was creepy when she like gave her the little vine handcuffs and was trying to yellow ribbons much yeah pretend that she's well even the handcuff that that uh from way back that Oh, man. Oh, the magic The magic cuffs, cuffs yeah. Dampening cuffs. <laughs> yeah. Which became more and more prolific as time went on. <laughs> and P.S., if we're in a land without magic, why does Anastasia have magic? Because she was never cursed? So here's my thought on that. Yes, she was mostly dead. And so something similar happened to... Wait, no, it didn't. Or did it? I'm confused. Yes, Something similar happened to David because he was in a coma. Regina had to alter his memories after the fact. He woke up and he kind of half knew the truth and he was kind of just confused. Right. Which how she did that without magic, I do not know, but I never thought of that really. (laughs) Her magic is like obviously super significant. Um, It reminded me of Emma's Care Bear stare. Um, I (laughs) did look to see if there was actually that, you know, the white light that kind of shot out and pushed Cora back. So I'm talking Uh about, I think it's 209 Queen of Hearts. That was beyond Emma's control too. Emma didn't know that was happening. Right. She didn't understand why Cora couldn't get her heart and then why she was being pushed away. And so it definitely that like kind of, it's not a Care Bear stare because it wasn't, it was all around her, but Mm-hmm. I still like that term. And clearly she's super powerful. Except, yeah, part of that, though, was because the cuffs just weren't, or the vine wasn't doing what Drizella thought it was going to do, but it was doing what it was supposed to do. Taking her power. Yeah. Now, oh. I started laughing because I can't. every time I watch that scene, there's this moment where Anastasia's mouth gets sort of blown open like a person on a roller coaster, and it... <laughs> cracks me up and i kind of want a freeze frame of it because i'm like they it just felt like they kind of misaimed the the blowers that they were using <laughs> for the effect yeah but that seems to be a thing with her just like i blow people across the room yes because it happened in the police station or were they in the police station that was the evidence locker right yes i yes yep or break room. It's really unclear. <laughs> <laughs> that whole police station, anything past the main room is probably all just the same room. But yeah, I, a lot of interesting stuff happening there. I thought it was really effective the way they framed everything with Gothel showing up, but then even the look on her face when she was about to get knocked across the hallway. And so, to me, that scene indicated that Gothel also has her magic back because she flung the door open, unless Anastasia flung the door open, knowing that Gothel was on the other side. Well, but she also could sense Gothel, and Gothel's been using some magic. But, like... So, she has it. 
she wasn't even touching the earth. Like most of her magic has been related to like the the flowers. That's true. So yeah, actually you're right. It is clear magic has come back to Hyperion Heights or to a land without magic because even the vines working was magic. Mm-hmm. And they they make little things. They they're like, oh, it's weak. But yeah, I don't know. They don't seem to have a lot of rules they follow. <laughs> One thing I didn't get was what was with the symbol painted on the side of the troll bridge. Things disappear if you don't look at them quick enough. Why was that symbol painted there? Like there must be another. Yeah. I don't think Lady Gothel or Mother Gothel went out and painted that there. Or Drizzy. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I assume that's just a weird sign of something wicked coming to the heights. <laughs> so I went back and researched that symbol again because we're doing a podcast about it. So the symbol is called the Helm of Awe and Terror. Creepy. And it's one of the most prominent Viking symbols. And I can't say what it's actually called because I don't speak that language and or have a pronunciation key or anything. But it says, like the research I did says that when it is studied closely, it becomes easily recognizable as a symbol of protection rather than an offensive one. And then that the circle is a circle of protection within which the bearer is safe and which is very similar to uh, a magic circle in witchcraft, which is like we're talking about witches here. And then the trident is very, well, yeah, the trident's (laughs) at the end of the eight. It's an eight sided symbol. So that works for the eight, the coven of the eight, but the tridents are very common in Hinduism and he the the destroyer of worlds Shiva in Hinduism was always depicted with a trident and then there was this this whole thing about that those people who fought by his side he would be a vision of fearless power and battle readiness ready to cleave the enemy with his individual huh? weapon and lead them collectively to resounding victory well okay so I only copied that part because of the cleave the enemy of his individual weapon. <laughs> That's awesome. Once upon a time vocab word. <laughs> cleave. <laughs> I hate it kind of when they get super accurate on witchcrafty things. Right. Which they're not, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess from some of what you just said, it's there. it's kind of a conglomeration of things well and um i even looked up like i was looking up the significance of eight and of like i was searching for the coven of the eight to see if that was actually like a real thing and most covens historically had 13 members which is probably why 13 is considered an unlucky number by our culture because we're very christianized culture and christianized cultures don't really like pagan rituals and witches and stuff so right yeah, historically, it wouldn't have eight. It would have 13. But my, okay, my pondering on this is I am very confused about whether, and maybe it's just me, but is the coven of the eight a good coven or a bad coven? And I mean, I know what everyone's thinking, like, look at all this evil stuff that has happened to form the coven. But if the key to forming the coven is Anastasia... <laughs> Anastasia. <laughs> the whole premise of it is that she was 
didn't give in to evil, according to the previous episode. True. And that seems to be who Gothel's been looking for. Right. So what's Gothel's end game? That's what I want to know. Like, I feel like yeah. this is the big reveal of like Rumpel looking for his son. And that's why the original Dark Curse was cast. And I'm going to go ahead and say it again. I do not want to see them go that direction. If they're trying to say this super creepy, threatening coven is somehow good, that would not set well with me. So what if it's, here's here's my other thing, what if it's not good or bad? So Well, then that's just <laughs> gobbledygook. So the number <laughs> eight is first and foremost like a balance number. And it's the, quote, the eight is the great karmic equalizer, a force that just as easily creates as it destroys. Uh, when eight comes knocking, you can be assured that you will reap what you sow. That's weird. And so, but if like Gothel is the like air quote dark one of this world and Anastasia is the air quote like savior or guardian or whatever, maybe they needed mm -hmm. both to create this circle that can hold the darkness and have it kind of be equalized. Ugh. I know. You could be right. I just, I, that's annoying, kind of. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of other eights. Like, that's the one. There's like eight reindeer, eight planets, eight people were on Noah's Ark when the flood happened. <laughs> There's eight gates surrounding the ancient city of Babylon. There are eight Wiccan festivals in a year. And Weird. there's like lots, lots of, of eights. <laughs> That's funny. It is a number. So it could be anything. <laughs> but the thing it made me think of, because I'm also in the yoga world, is the infinity symbol, the never ending. So, which is a kind of sideways eight. Oh, true. So those, that's just that was my thing, because it just seems weird that they need this pure, pure heart, unless they're just sacrificing her, which... I was going to say, what if they're just sacrificing her? Then why her, would they but... give her all the magic? <laughs> Exactly. That probably is not the case. And it's a little dark even for once upon a time. <laughs> and also... They're a little... Sometimes they're a little tone deaf with their darkness. Sometimes <laughs> they they go to just like an extreme. You're like, huh, why? Why? And then they, they come back and they're like, super... We're really a family show. And yeah. then other times you're like, whoa. <laughs> Which is like, there's a super, super dark movie that there were some very similar things in this episode that reminded me so much of it. And I'm not even mm. going to bring it up because it's, there's no way oh, that they're going that direction because it's a family show. It's on at eight o'clock. Like it's, mm -hmm. they can't be going into that dark of a place. I would say, I mean, they did go. Though it is Friday night. Literally nobody watches TV on Friday <laughs> well, night. Well, and they did go to the underworld. Us. So. They did go to the underworld and that was weird. <laughs> yeah. See, like. It's creepy and interesting as this episode was, if that's the real overall direction of the rest of the season, I'm having the same reaction in part that I had when they were getting ready to go to the underworld, which is, well, I'm partially having the reaction of thinking that I just don't know if I want to see that. But the other reaction I'm having is too soon. The underworld season was not that long ago. And now we've got more hooded figures and like creepiness and... I don't know. It doesn't feel very... I'm trying to figure out how it meshes with the rest of the story. They rush to answer some of our questions, 
by the winter finale, like surrounding the logistics of the curse. And then now they're like, yeah, but here comes this coven. And yet Gothel's been in it the whole time and we've been wondering what her deal is. And now we're starting to see she's probably, if she's played the Rumpelstiltskin to (laughs) Drizella's Regina, if I'm saying that in any way that makes sense, (laughs) then she maybe has manipulated things all along to get people to cast this curse because she couldn't for some reason. Yeah. That would be very rumble of her. The yeah. the reason why I was also wondering if it was like a good or bad coven was because she said the cloaks right now belong to the darkness and they're going to find the women who were meant to wear them, which to me just implies that if they all belong to darkness, it wouldn't that be her end game then if she's evil. But it sounds like maybe like, what if it's four and four? I felt like that was almost just a line that was meant to sound ominous and they were just talking. Maybe. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're stuck in this dark room, <laughs> but soon they will be worn by witches. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but they made it pretty clear that they, like, so if they invited Zelina, who was a good witch at the time. Uh, depending on when she was invited. True. Yes. But, okay, so what if it's foreign? Because I'm just going by the balance thing, the eight, cosmic balance. Four and four, like four bad witches, four good witches. We've got like Regina, Regina, Zelina, Anastasia, (laughs) and one more good witch. And then Gothel, not Drizella. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're going to see some new bad witches. Yeah, because there is a part of me that's going, how many more characters are you going to introduce this year yeah they've just unveiled two new young women who are going to feature prominently in the story going forward on now i can't say it like anastasia stajana <laughs> yeah her and robin and if assuming robin's not in any way involved with this coven of the eight then how many more are they going to introduce? Or are they going to find one or two key players and then just give the other ones glowing eyes and have them walk around town? Are there any like iconic witches or sorceresses from like very prominent or maybe not so prominent, but like at least well-known Disney (laughs) movies and or grim fairy tales that we have not seen yet? Well, maybe not, maybe, but they could use it as an opportunity to bring Maleficent back. Yeah. If she's available. Um, I'm thinking the blind witch, but I think she died. She died. She's in the underworld. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah. I, and uh, the whole time I'm thinking this is just not a super fun topic. It, it kind of works as a creepy threat, but if they start trying to gray it out, it's going to get really annoying to me. <laughs> so we did get feedback from Keeper of Squid Ink. They asked, did anyone else feel toward the end of this episode that it may lead us toward the series conclusion? And then I might be okay with it if we get some solid answers to our pointless questions and a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel less of that than I did when... You know, 
they wrapped up the entire <laughs> Storybrooke arc. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I felt that. I felt I, that there was just a lot more potential opened up, whether I liked it or not. I just feel like if they're truly searching for somebody who can take on the darkness and not have it affect them, they're kind of headed toward like an ultimate happy ending. Interesting. <laughs> they've tried this before, or at least they've they've hinted at it when they talked about someone who could yield or wield the darkness and the light. And nope, that's just silliness. <laughs> Because people, I mean, whether whether you realize it or not, what you're actually saying is they can use good and evil for good. Well, no, that's that's silly. They keep saying that. It's like you can't get away from good versus evil. It really doesn't work. There are people are complicated. Like normal everyday people are complicated. When you get into a story, and when you get into whether things are good or evil, there are actions that are neutral. But really, when people if someone is saying they can wield good light magic and dark magic without being overcome by the dark magic, clearly they're admitting the dark magic would be dark and being overcome by it would be a bad thing. Right. So there's still a very, there's still a black and whiteness you cannot reduce because nobody says, well, they're going to be overcome. They're not going to be overcome with the light magic either. Because that's really uncompelling, because then what you have is somebody who's just kind of wishy-washy, middle of the road. They're like, yeah, they've got some good, they've got some evil, whatever. So even when they try to say it, ultimately, they push toward overcoming evil with good. Because that's where people intrinsically want to go in a story. This is like getting kind of philosophical, but like you actually can't have good without evil, right? Like you, you have no context for what is good without evil. And I just looked up cosmic balance because that is what came up when I Googled the, the number eight and it says one force without its opposite is powerless. The moon reflects the light of the sun, illuminating the night when the life, when life rests and restores itself. Like it's just you can't have like you can't have dark without light and you can't have light without dark because ev everything well, is I disagree a... with that philosophy basically <laughs> that's fine <laughs> but like how do you know what evil is if you don't know what good is like truly you don't have to know evil if you didn't <laughs> that's going way I know. Uh, <laughs> but maybe that's the yeah, point there's... is that they're there can't ever be like a pure happy ending because life is life. And yeah, like, I don't know this life, <laughs> this life is <laughs> this show has worked very hard to gray up the area, the black and white, like nothing has ever been black and white, even the superlatives right. that they use that never work. Right. Yeah. They use an awful lot of superlatives for a show that kind of likes to keep it in the middle somewhere. And show both sides and the complexity of situations and people. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so both sides and black and white, you know, Regina's very black and white thinking at the end that either Henry dies or Lucy dies. Well, and is Lucy really dying? At well, I think it'd be a very sad show. Or to, to speak like Adam and Eddie, <laughs> our showrunners, I would be very disappointed <laughs> if either one of those two had to die. <laughs> or if the curse... <laughs> well, yeah, really, there's no, there's no third option that they've presented, but obviously 
they will find one. That doesn't mean someone else will not die. Uh, so people are starting to take bets on who might sacrifice themselves, which, of course, everybody starts pointing at Regina again. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, okay. Firstly, I thought Henry's kiss would do something as a sidebar. Mm-hmm. Except that that would have necessarily meant he would have died. So I kind of thought it would. Okay. Maybe he can't break and, the curse himself. Well, and is Lucy really dying? Well, I guess what they said was that because Lucy gave up her belief, she didn't believe. And so it wasn't a part of true love's kiss. Which I think is consistent with the snow episode mm-hmm. from season one where it's exactly yeah, what I thought where of. she was cursed but it didn't work because she was cursed to not believe she had to at least love charming again or start to before it without work. her memories in order for it to be true love's kiss in order for her to get her memory back i still feel like breaking the curse is not going to kill henry but what do i know right. It must not be, wait a minute, it is a magic poison, or he wouldn't have been cured by going to a land without magic. Right. So, breaking the curse floods them with magic? But it doesn't. But it doesn't. That was was my whole thing. Like you were saying before, (laughs) Rumpel still had to bring magic to Storybrooke. And even then, it didn't work super well. well. And we know that there's magic in our world already. They've proven that. Like, Emma was dating a flying monkey in disguise in New York. (laughs) And the dragon character always had magic. And somehow, Alice, or no, like, not Alice, I guess, because fictional London, but, you know, like... Didn't Peter Pan, didn't Captain Hook or somebody went and took children like Bay, Bay got taken from our land by Peter Pan to Neverland. That's magic. Like there's, there's clearly magic in our world already. Yeah. (laughs) Plus the curse even working is magic. Right. (laughs) Come on people. So they seem, they seem to make it like almost like magic is something that's in the air and that it's not present, but then there were magical objects. So Regina had to use all those magical items just to get one apple through Jefferson's hat. So magical things can work, things imbued with magic and all that sort of thing. And some people have magic, but it just isn't like in everything like it is in the Enchanted Forest. And yet, sometimes they break those rules by having people in a land without magic not have their own magic. Including when they're not cursed. Right. So it's like the curse takes the magic, but then even in Storybrooke, even season one, season two, when the curse was broken, they didn't get their magic back. And then when Rumpel brought it back, it was unpredictable. And they had to relearn. Well, Regina had to relearn. Wait, why did Jefferson have his memories back in season one? Was he cursed to have them? Because, or was that a Wonderland wow, thing? that is... I was just wondering no, if that's I think why you're right. has her memories. I think he did say something about his version of the curse was that he had to be stuck in that house and know the truth. And so he seemed mad. Okay. Okay. But that is another parallel I hadn't realized between Alice and the Mad Hatter. Get it to work. Get it to work. Get it to work. Get it to work. She is both. She is both. Which (laughs) goes back to the fan fiction that I shared a few (laughs) podcasts ago. (laughs) 
<laughs> that because she was uh, mad from Wonderland, the curse couldn't affect her, which I don't think has any clout other than just it was crazy that they was so similar. Um, right. So, oh, what do you think's going to happen when we come back? I think. <laughs> so where did we leave everybody? We left Lucy in the hospital. Yeah. So Regina and Zelina are going to get back to town. And I don't know. It's, the Lucy situation seems pretty urgent unless they go ahead and pronounce her in a coma. Oh, we also left Weaver with Rogers and Tilly. I forgot about that whole scene. Weaver woke up. Right. And Alice freaked out and went mad and was like, everything's crazy or whatever she said. So they're maybe they're going to because we left them there. The creepy cloaks. Oh, she said everything's upside oh. down. I think she just meant that he had kind of ransacked the locker. Right. No, I know. It was just. And they didn't see it. It was a, such a desperate <laughs> tone that she was using. Um, right. Okay. But they found that stupid token. Right. And still in the back of my mind is the dude, the dead dude with the tattoo of that symbol. Right. So what was his connection to them? Do they just have little servants running around town? And are they awake? And what was his call saying? He's asking. Something about looking. He's asking about the girl. Yeah. Because they did bring him up again in this episode about the symbol. I believe. Yeah. So that might that might not be wrapped up yet. But do you think like do you think now like Hook, Tilly and Weaver, Rogers, Tilly and Weaver are going to run in and somehow prevent whatever this magicking near the well is about to happen so that cuz they left it very much with that we can expect when we come back some huge big scene is going to happen to call back those cloaked figures. Well, Actually, I took it to mean that they're already there and they have to find them. So I took it to mean a multi-week, okay. one-by-one discovery of the women and putting them in the cloaks <sighs> and bringing them down to the meeting place and like a, like a long drawn out thing. That could be. <laughs> like sort of the rest of the season. So they've got what? Maybe 12 episodes left this year? Yeah, there should be 12. And... They need to discover, by my count, six women. So, yep. <laughs> you know, they've got a little bit to... Now, I could be wrong. They could, <laughs> as Zelina says in the quote we like to play sometimes, they could get it all done in one night. But um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how closely, if looking back at the beginning of the season, we see the threads running the whole time. Because that symbol, it, even in... Eloise Gardner's journal. And now that we know more about the symbol, do we think that journal was it entirely fake, like made up by the curse? Was it made by Gothel? Is it Alice's? Is it certainly not Tilly's or she'd have recognized it? Yeah. And I'm speaking about them in their multiple personas because who knows which personality <laughs> made the journal? Yeah, Gothel doesn't have multiple personalities, but yeah. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see, I think we have to see now, like a teaming up of like Rumpel, Regina, Zelina, 
possibly Hook and Tilly, I guess, because they're kind of helping. But for sure, the awake people. <laughs> Who's not awake and at then, this point? Well, Hook's this... not awake. Tilly's not. Well, Tilly's half awake. Tilly just needs to stop taking her medicine. Henry's not awake, but which he who's believes. making her take that now? Yeah, does he? How deep you think that belief runs? Well, how many shots are in that he... in that bottle? Because. She could just go around giving like people over. shots, especially oh. now Henry would believe. <laughs> Special happy hour at Ronnie's. <laughs> Find out your cursed <laughs> self so you could be both. Oh, except we've seen the power of remembering a thing. What? AKA Dark One Hook. I was thinking, yeah, we could just wake Henry up that way and then the curse isn't broken but he doesn't die but apparently if you remember that you're poisoned you might die right so never mind that oh man it's very confusing <laughs> it, but it's i mean this is going on two hours of a podcast and we haven't had yeah. like we've got a lot to talk about at least there was more stuff in this one hour episode than in most of their two hour episodes <laughs> It was just a lot. <laughs> and you've now heard it all, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so this concludes our discussion of this episode of Once Upon a Time. But we would love to hear your feedback. And perhaps we might do an episode before we return from the winter break. It is a long break. Um, Certainly spoilers at some we point. We will definitely be doing spoilers. The spoiler ladies will be ready to share. <laughs> I personally would like to rewatch the entire first half of this season for everything that I've missed. Isn't that a good feeling? It is a good feeling. I haven't rewatched anything. To want to feel like the story has been revealed in such an intricate way <laughs> that we can go back and learn new things about what we've already seen because of what's been revealed since then. I have not done a rewatch since season 2A. So other than rewatching for the podcast right. that week. So it's fantastic yep. that I want to do that. And so maybe we'll find a way to, to podcast something. But if you would like to comment on this episode of Once Upon a Time, please go to oncepodcast.com slash 322. And you can comment below our show notes. And you can also go to our forums, which there's always lots of discussion happening there and share your theories there which is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so much happening there. Please share this episode of Once Podcast by going to oncepodcast.com slash 322. Please connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast. And you can also connect with us individually on Twitter. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. And I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And you can also connect with Daniel Lewis. He's on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. <laughs> Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who helped to make this podcast possible. Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanis for editing our episodes, especially tonight, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You will hear from them sometime during the break, at least once. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating our forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, and to all the co-hosts who helped to make this podcast possible. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, Whoever you are, stop talking. Be somewhere else. And thanks for listening.
Wentz Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode. If you would like to be a hero too, please visit oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.